You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Greetings, Starfighters. It's Sean from the Rusted Robot Podcast. Join me and the Rusty crew as we break down the latest geeky movie trailers, talk about TV, comics, toys, games, casting news, and all things nerdy. Find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the ESO Network, and at therustedrobot.podbean.com. The Rusted Robot Podcast, your source for geek since 2014. The Rusted Robot Podcast. Think about it. And welcome again to the Monster Sci-Fi Show podcast. I am your host, the Monster. Stop laughing, Jim. <laughs> You're not saying anything funny. <laughs> uh, so for today's podcast, I am joined by two guests. You know this guy, Mr. Gene here. Yeah, thanks for pointing. That's good. That really looks really good in the podcast. Like, of pointing. course, pointing at you. And my other special guest is Tony from Cinema Viewfinder. Hi. <laughs> so we are back once more since 2009 talking about Star Trek again. This time we're talking about the series uh season 2 of the Star Trek Discovery. So we're going to talk about that. Refer back to a previous podcast as in I predicted something that kind of came true and I want to kind of get your opinions on but before we get started on those two aspects we have some star trek news which we haven't done before but in light of the ending of discovery for season two we have like what four or five star trek series that are going to be planned or some in the works right now so i kind of want to talk about this and kind of get your feedback about your thoughts on the new series um let's start off with uh, the news that tony mentioned earlier um, is the new animated series on Nickelodeon. You want to talk about that, Tony? Yeah, I mean, um, if people were looking at their, you know, news feeds today, then they probably saw that Nickelodeon is releasing a new animated Star Trek show. And what I found curious is that it seems to be a very off-brand show you know considering what we've had in the past like um you know according to the press release the series will quote follow a group of lawless teens who discover a derelict starfleet ship and use it to search for adventure meaning and salvation so i don't know what do you what do you guys think about how far afield this show seems to be going it doesn't give a time frame as to when it takes place, right? It's just right. Okay. Don't don't you need a whole crew of people to run a starship, or is it going to be like a remember well, me if situation? Star, if you look at Star Trek Three, you don't need like five people. You stay uh, on the bridge; you'll be fine. <laughs> no one goes down to engineering. It could be a tiny starship. It a, could be the a shuttle, but it's all voice stuff. activated. Yeah. <laughs> Computer. Yeah, don't do that, <laughs> Siri. Um, I, I think. Okay, we we, we kind of dance about about this with the fact that okay, Star Trek is back on the air, so to speak, but it's behind a paywall. 
And if we're trying to, for Nickelodeon, try to rebrand itself as its former glory days and jump on the Trek bandwagon, I don't know if the new kids on the block, so to speak, will grab Star Trek in a way that we have grabbed onto Star Trek. Like when we had our, our own animated series, but it was based on these previous characters from TOS. I don't know if you're going to get the exact same kind of feels uh, with a brand new cast of people who are teens. I mean, it seems like uh, uh, Starfleet Academy days, like with Wesley performing that. I was curious about that, if you could remember the name yeah. of that team, that squadron. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that they're a bunch of rascals and doing hijinks everywhere. And now they get to be their own commanders of their own adventures and kind of grow up, you know, and learn responsibilities or things like nature. So there's like Starfleet on the go. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of worried about that because it's not really on CBS. Not that it matters, but I don't see Nickelodeon and Star Trek working in my head for that channel. I mean, what about your thoughts, Gene? I don't know. I, I, I honestly think that, that if you're going to do it, You've got to sell merchandise, you know, because if you're going to watch the show, even the Picard show is in jeopardy of this. Yeah. And particularly Discovery, there's no merch out there. The McFarlane had a, a license to, to build toys that they, they rejected because they were like, no, no, it's too risky. It's not going to work. And the fact of the matter is that with Discovery for season one, Netflix paid for that. Four Netflix paid for it. And for season two, they didn't do that. And there's nothing out there. To represent Discovery, and if, if it hits, if you like the show, you got to get the T-shirts out to the people or lunch boxes or whatever, so that you know to advertise to represent. If you don't do that, it doesn't work at all. Because who even knows when it's on? You know, uh, you you may vaguely know because you're pop culture aware that you know it's it's on CBS All Access. But when? How do I get that? You know what I mean? It's not if you don't have representation. In the merchandising division, if people aren't wearing your shirts, it's it's not going to work. You know, even even Star oh. Wars Rebellion came out like what six months ago, and there's toys on the on the on the aisles already at, at your local Target. That's great. That I, that I look at that and think, oh, I haven't seen this show yet. I should look into this. You know, that's that's my opinion. I, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a counter argument to that because I've noticed that lately merchandise in general seems to be a little more stagnant than when we were younger. You know, like I see it reflected in um, like Legos, for instance. Mm -hmm. Every time there was a new Marvel movie, there were a bunch of Legos that would come out associated with it. That would spoil and it, then yeah. And now it, it, it seems like they, they just sort of stopped keeping up with the movies because the Legos were just sitting on the shelves, you know? And so... So I'm not so sure that merchandise is the issue necessarily. I don't think that the show is suffering for any viewers because from what I've read, it seems like it's one of the highest rated um, non-network shows that there is. You Di know, Star Trek Discovery? Or at least, yeah, like in terms of... Um, it wasn't ratings they were measuring, but they were measuring the amount of stories and uh, comments on the internet. 
And they were showing that next to Walking Dead, Discovery was the next most discussed show on the internet. And I saw that on Reddit. Okay. Now, is it mm. like positive spin or just just talking about it in general? Like, does it make a difference one way or another? No, they were saying that it was positive. That it was well regarded. Okay. Yeah. Because that's the other thing, and I think Netflix also had a problem with certain shows, that if they had released a new show that weekend and it didn't get that kind of buzz, it was kind of like, well, they're not going to renew it. And I don't want to say that's the only criteria to continue a show, but um, the fact that they spent, and I think the other thing too is that if they haven't spent so much money on Discovery, mm-hmm. We wouldn't need to worry about the whole idea of merchandising, because they spend so much per episode. But I don't know. It, it, but the thing is that this goes against. This is an experiment, you know. CBS trying to get you to pay for their services, their new shows. But we've only got one show so far: Star Trek Discovery. You know. But the thing is, Star Trek hasn't been on, you know, television for a number of years now, right. and so it's got that nostalgia. You know, and I, I get what they were going for. I, I love season one. I, I love that it, it's cinematic. It doesn't feel like it's on a goddamn soundstage anymore. You know, the the the, the effects are amazing, and it it feels like it's a it's a it's a movie. I really enjoyed that, but it, it fails. Yeah, but it's in not other just areas. the one show anymore, though. Like they, it was the first show, but they've been building on that by introducing. Like, you know, now they introduced the Twilight Zone, which is another household name. And I think that they're going to continue doing that. You know, like, as a matter of fact, I don't know if you guys got this, but yesterday I got a a survey sent by CBS All Access. I I have it in in the notes showing that, too, uh, asking viewers to think uh, how to give feedback about the show, the viewing experience, and things of that nature to help Mm -hmm. improve. So, yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, and it was interesting because it seemed to really be getting at the kind of questions we're discussing now. Like, they were asking questions like, okay, now that Star Trek Discovery is over, are you going to continue to subscribe to CBS All Access? And if not, why? And are there other shows you watch on CBS All Access? And, and you know, at one point they were asking who your favorite Star Trek characters were this season and of course you know i put captain pike you know so maybe we'll get a captain pike show out of that because i'm sure everybody else put captain pike uh but gene you have a good um the issue about are you going to continue with the series i mean we'll continue with cbs all access after the series has ended yeah i i i'm choosing not to do that i i last year i was like wow i'll keep i'll keep the subscription going because I, I want them to get more money, you know. It's it's what five ninety nine uh, out of my pocket every month. That's that's nothing to me. But this year, I'm like, I wasn't happy with some of the decisions you made creatively on the season two. So I'm going to withdraw my subscription until it comes back, or you bring back the card show. Then I will restart from there. Right. That's that's because I I just I don't know. And and I'm, here's a question for you also: What happens in November on November twelfth when Disney's all access thing war opens up, you know that's going to change the plans for everyone. Because Disney did it right. Disney's like, we're going to do all these. We're gonna, here's everything, you know, and we're going to create new content like pretty much right away. So I'm like, all right, that's yeah. I'm, 
I don't know. I think I think Disney actually may have been influenced by CBS All Access in this respect, which was Disney knew it was an interloper in this already established field, and they said, you know what, we're going to come in with a really low price point, five ninety nine or six ninety nine. I think. Right. Yes. And so that immediately puts Netflix on notice because Netflix is charging like 13 bucks a month now. They just raise their prices. Yeah. And I mean, and to be honest, I just canceled my Netflix because now that they canceled all those Marvel shows, like I have no reason to watch Netflix now until Stranger Things comes back. That's in July. Right. And that's also the same thing like with Game of Thrones. Like unless you're going to be watching backstories or this just to catch up, then there's no reason for you to have HBO unless that's the only thing you want to see is just Game of Thrones. So when the show is over, my subscription goes. When a new season becomes two two years later, then I'll restart it. You know, so there's no well, loyalty. You know what? Like what what they're trying, what HBO is doing is what these other networks are trying to do. They're trying to get enough series that overlap so that right. you know, like for example. You know, like for me, once Game of Thrones is over, yeah, I thought about canceling, but I'm like, oh, wait, I watch Big Little Lies, so I'm going to stick around for that. And then after that, Westworld will probably show up, and I stick around for that, you know? And soon, before you know it, I, I, I don't have a gap there where I can cancel. Right, and even and the new Watchmen I think series that's, will be on. Yeah, right, right. And, and I think that's what Star Trek means to CBS, because I'm sure that they've developed six Star Trek series so that they can have them overlap as soon as one ends and the other one picks up sort of the way that Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead work. You know, now they're coming up with the third Walking Dead series. So Yeah, but the problem lies is that they don't have that right now. Picard is not going to be, I mean, it's filming now. Right, but the end of the year. Yeah, but the end of the year. And then Discovery sometime in 2020. And then everything else, yeah, maybe it will line up then. But Disney really has kind of more of their ducks in a row, you know, heading off with The Mandalorian right off the bat. Right. Uh, and I think it, it's them dropping the big Disney dick right on everyone's <laughs> face and just saying, you know, deal with this. So, well, I'm gonna, But I'm going to also remind you guys, Disney probably has more of a bankroll. That they oh, definitely they do. Yeah, there's no doubt you about know, that. So, so they can do that, whereas I think uh, CBS is just – Taking the tack of doing it, you know, unrolling it slowly over time. No, no, I know. And like, unlike Netflix, that is now going to spend another $2 billion in original content just to kind of keep it going. And I'm like, it's like an arms race. But honestly, I think Disney really has now become a serious threat to everyone else, that it can blow everyone else out of the water, meaning... I may not go back to Netflix, or I may not want to choose Hulu. I didn't, and kind of choose and pick the winner, so to speak. And I may just have uh, Amazon Prime and Disney, you know, as my two choices. So it depends on what it is they're going to offer. But yeah, so so basically, the idea is that we're, we're getting to essentially is in the future, it's all about streaming. Yeah, it's about choosing the right streaming service, maybe multiple ones, but then staying on top of your bills and programming. You know, and, and and keep on top of that. So cable's dead essentially. I mean, cable yeah. is so expensive now. I still have cable because my mom is elderly right. and she likes to watch her cooking shows. 
but I'm paying $60 a month for that, which is ridiculous. That's a whole year of the Disney stuff. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, yeah, I got to cut that off as soon as I can and just. Yeah, well, but you know what? Like, I I mean, even that, there's better alternatives to that because, like, I get Hulu and I can completely cut cable out because Mm -hmm. if I get Hulu Live, then I have all the cable channels on Hulu Live. Yeah. Plus the Hulu content. So to me, that's a better option. You know, it's um, less expensive that way. So, you know, cable's dead. Yeah, <laughs> basically. The only positive thing about Hulu now, because now Disney has the majority stakehold in that company, is that they could technically bring over the Netflix shows, put it on Hulu since it's more R-rated, and not have that worry be on Disney+. Plus. So that's the hope I think they do. So, so let's put that aside, and uh, let's talk about the new Picard series. Um, it is now filming, finally. This is taking place after the 2009 J.J. Abrams, so it's the Kelvin timeline, which... So Romulus has been destroyed. Yes. 20 years ago. Right. So, the events... Right, but it's not the Kelvin timeline. No, but that's what happened originally, because that's what happened to Ambassador Spock in the 2009 movie. Right, so... This is what we're doing. We're talking now about a Kelvin Timeline series mm. in which Picard, through uh, the way the situation has happened, is not necessarily the same Picard that we know. How is that? Because I, I would imagine that it's the original timeline where Spock tries to go back in the past or tries to, because he tries to save Romulus, I think, right? But then he gets sucked into a wormhole, a time thing. Right. He goes through the 2009 universe. Starting out a new yeah, alter timeline by him going back there, but the timeline's still continuing without without Ambassador yeah, Spock. Um, yeah, but then but that's not the Kelvin not timeline. That, it's not the Kelvin timeline. It's still the Prime timeline. Right. It's just Spock went back in time and disappeared. Right. Like Spock left, he disappeared, and he created the Kelvin timeline of like a a branch. No. The, off the, re- of okay, the Prime the re- timeline. Okay. The reason why I'm saying that because the events have been different. Uh, Kirk's dad should have survived because his dad right. is dead. Right, right. But that's what I'm saying. That's not in that story. So there are minor events like the death of but, Kirk's dad. No, but that. But the thing is that that's because because Spock opened up the hole, and then what's his name? I know. Uh, what Eric Brenner opens right. up the time but, thing. But, but that's what I'm saying is that in the TOS, his dad, you know, had died, not in that event. Right. So you get I'm, to see. Right. So what I'm saying is and that Kirk become captain. Things are different. The fact no, that we have no, no, it's, no. Yes. And what we're telling you is that, that that does not impact this timeline at all. Right. It's a classic timeline. It's prime. It's it's Star Trek Prime. Right. No. Like, yes. Go back and read the notes, Monty. No. And the reason why I'm saying yes. that because if they're bringing up back the whole thing with the, the JJ's universe, they're not. They're not. <sighs> Okay. It's going to be 20 years from the, oh God, what was the name of the movie that that finished it? Yeah, Nemesis movie. 20 years from that. Shortly after that, Spock goes back in time to save Romulus. He fails. Romulus blows up. And then we we go from there. But none of the the timeline doesn't come in. The only event that they share is that that Romulus exploded. 
And then from there, Spock is propelled back in time, but he's not propelled back on the prime timeline. The prime timeline continues to exist on its own. He's propelled in, into the past and creates a, a parallel timeline. Right, like in Back to the Future 2. I understand that. What I'm saying is that that's but not the case. But card will not be impacted by anything that happens in the Kelvin timeline. Right. This Picard will continue to be governed by the Prime timeline. And the reason I know that for sure is because CBS All Access, I mean, or CBS Studios, does not have any rights to the Abramsverse. They only have rights to the Prime timeline. So they cannot you know, do anything to. So, why don't you tell us about what you recorded last year? Huh? That'll make you feel better. You can eat me. All right. <laughs> you got so quiet. No, because the thing is, I'm really, just like when we talked about Discovery and how this look is completely different from what we see in TOS and then we're supposed to accept that 10 years down the road as, no, the ships will look like that, so they downgrade. No, I didn't buy that. They accepted these changes to be updated. The 25% rule and all that fun stuff. Right, right. Okay. From from Midnight's Edge that we went to and learned about. So that's where I'm like, when we talk about, we'll play the audio from a couple years ago, the changes that I think help resolve Discovery's problem. We'll, We'll cross that bridge when we get there. I just think that it just feels weird that you're talking about the events of the 2009 movie from J.J. Abrams, you're making reference to that. and But it contradicts the fact that if CBS All Access doesn't have access to this, why are you setting this in that pro, in that area, much like this having Discovery 10 years before the original series? So this is the problem that I'm but, getting. But they're, not, but they're not setting it in that area. Okay. Like, think of it, think of it like, a, like a house with many rooms. And Spock lived in this big room where you know all the shows took place and then as soon as Romulus exploded it propelled him to another room and Spock was no longer in that timeline you know like he still existed in the past but his time in that timeline was over and he ended up in another timeline like a parallel timeline created by his thing or whatever The, the first timeline still exists Still keeps going. Wait, that no, was a brilliant no, no, to the no, 2009 I, movie. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll just move on. So when they said, so when they said that um, Picard is a very different man, they just meant he's not a captain. Well, he's not in Starfleet a, anymore. It's been 20 years. He's retired. Yeah, he's a senior citizen now. <laughs> he's an all good things captain. No, he's not. He's a vineyard <laughs> guy. All right, so. We'll see how that turns out. We have Allison Pill, who is just recently added to the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know anything about the plot other than it's going to be taking place well after Nemesis, the last Star Trek Next Generation movie. Uh, the other... They started filming on location this week, mm-hmm. and I saw that they're filming in Napa Valley, it looks like. Right. Okay. So that, that fits in line with the whole vineyard thing. Right. Um, the other thing is the, let's move on to another series, Section 31, which played a big part in Discovery Season 2, which I thought 
Why? <laughs> Why? It's a secret organization. <laughs> what is this control bullshit? What is this control shit? I hate this. That's my personal opinion. Sorry. Just... That was, I broke that was Monty. the worst part of the season. I hated that. Uh, oh, he's dead. No, he's a puppet. We uh... So, so the, the very thing that made uh, DS9 really incredible was giving Bashir this new line of working for Section 31. And it's just the one guy. And he just shows up out of nowhere in his room asleep. And I'm like, it starts off really interesting. And now you kind of ruin the very thing that made Section 31 special. I mean, it was even interesting when they came out in uh, Enterprise, when it turned out Reed was working for Section 31. And, it, and, <coughs> and then it was even interesting in that horrible movie, Star Trek Into Darkness. Yep. <laughs> so they made but reference now, to that, yeah. But now it's a whole thing that I'm like, Wait a minute. Now everybody knows that Section 13, Section 13, got dyslexia, Section 31 exists. But now we have a whole series that is going to be sometime in the future. Uh, Michelle Yao is going to be part of this or heading the, the whole cast. But I'm like, no, that's not possible now. She's 950 years in the future. Unless she left the very last moment. It's like, I'm done. I did my part. Bye. Yeah, somehow she's going to end up back with Section 31. Yeah. We don't necessarily know that she's going to end up back in 22nd century or 23rd century Section 31. You know, but somehow she's going to end up back with Section 31. Now, I'm not so sure that we needed her show to be about Section 31. Why couldn't they just have done a show about, you know, Captain Giorgio Intergalactic Adventure or something, mm. you know? like I, I missed the first two episodes in which she was not the Empress from the Mirror Mirror Universe. I wanted that Captain to kind of be like, I would have been kind of cool to find out more about her. The Shinjo Captain? Yeah. I, I, I love the Shinjo Captain. I was okay with it opening that way. I was very happy with that. Like, yeah, But now we got, you know, this uh, very pansexual... Overly sexualized. But her dialogue is hysterical. <laughs> She's got one or two lines and it's funny. It's like, did you just call me Poppy? I'm like, what the fuck, man? I don't believe yeah. what they're doing this. You uh, know, the other thing, too, is that I think sometimes people forget some of these characters are good in small doses. Yeah. But I don't want, like, a whole show revolving around them, you know? And I think I've said this on this podcast mm -hmm. before, like, you know, like, I don't want, I like Fonzie, and I like Kramer, but I don't want a whole show revolving around either of those guys. Yeah. Just like I don't want a whole show revolving revolving around Captain Giorgio. Yeah, oh, I agree. Uh, but uh, as we uh, find out, Tyler is now going to be running Section 31. I'm like, we'll never see him again. I Please, I hope we don't get to see him again. I, I That was such a waste of a character for this season you don't know what to do with him there were so many convolutions in this second season though for me i mean all right we're gonna bring back you like colber we're gonna bring him back and then he's not gonna be in love with 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 stamets anymore yeah. and then he's gonna be in, in love with stamets again at the end you're like 
the fuck is this? It, it, it was so well, melodramatic. That's what I was telling you. They, 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 that's what I was telling you guys. They seem to be um, responding to the fans like, yeah. too much. Yeah. Like the fans were like, oh, bring back yeah, the, Colbert. We okay. love that, 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 that gay relationship. And that's fine. But it's like, could you not have done that quicker? I, I just I don't understand what we're doing here. So. The only thing they could have done was not kill him in the first place. Yeah, know? but that... All right, so aside from Section 31, which we have no idea um, when that will take place and what facility, who knows. Uh, But the other one is called Lower Decks. This one is kind of like a behind-the-scenes with lower-ranking officers or those who kind of do the day-in, day-out dirty work, like, I guess, janitorial staff. Or maintenance people that we see life through their eyes and and things of that nature. Uh, that's the only thing that I know of it. I'm just thinking. I, I there was a whole episode on Next Generation called, called Lord Dex. Dex, which was fascinating. It was fantastic, and it was heartbreaking how um, she died. Yeah, supposedly she went her secret mission and she died. Supposedly died. I still believe she's alive, but she's dead. It's because she was cute, very cute. <laughs> um, well, we know that um, that this show is also going to be written and produced by the guy who does Rick and Morty. Yeah, I forget his name. Um, I think of all the shows that are coming down the pike, the most promising ones to me are the Picard show and Lower Decks. Because Lower Decks, you know, like, I, I feel like I don't even need to know what it's about. That I just trust that Rick and Morty guy to make it funny and clever and good. You know, like, or he could get the pilot show. And Dan Harmon. Was it Dan Harmon? I'm not That's sure. the Rick and Morty guy. But Rick and Morty itself was um, very influenced by Star Trek. You know? so, <coughs> yeah. And Back to the Future. All right, so, you know, we have a couple of things to look forward to. Now, since we didn't have, like, any Star Trek series for a very long time after Enterprise, is this too much too soon? Or is this the right kind of speed for Star Trek fans to kind of rejoice? I'll I'll leave that question to you, Tony. I think that... I think that... I would have been more concerned about oversaturation if Discovery was as long a season as the original shows. You know, the original shows were 26 episodes a year. Mm-hmm. Discovery is only 14. Yeah. So I feel like all they're trying to do is extend the franchise to last year round. You know, and so I'm okay with that as long as there's always one show on Star Trek, then I'm okay with that. I, I don't want it to get to the point where I'm having to watch three Star Trek shows at the same time. Okay. What about you, Jake? I don't know. I'm, I'm unsure. I'm, I'm uncertain about the future of Star Trek at this point because the movies are done, right? They're not going to come back for... I don't think it's going to come back. So this is the only outlet for Star Trek we have now, logically. And so it's behind a paywall uh, and they're just throwing noodles at the wall and seeing what sticks, you know? If, if it's going to catch the public's imagination and more, more importantly, their dollars, you know, it's going to hit 
Who knows? I I really I hope it works. You know, I I'll keep watching it because I'm a Star Trek fan, but I, I I'm not a Star Trek purist. I'm like that's fine. I don't care. But every every episode I watched for season two that I didn't enjoy, you know, it was it was that gut that 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 knee jerk reaction kind of thing, you know. But then a day or two later, a week or two later, when I calmed down, if I watched it again, it wasn't that bad. I was like, all right, I can see why that happened. But it was like the, like the nausea has passed. Okay, I'm all right. There was a little bit shaky, but I'm better now, and I can accept it more. But we'll see. I mean, I'm just I just want quality programming. And I have a beloved character like Picard come back. Of course, I'm going to come back and watch that. Yeah, I, I think I'm a big Picard fan just because Next Generation was my Star Trek that I grew up with. Not that I didn't enjoy the original series. You got to watch it live. We got to watch it live like right Doctor. from the very beginning. And that was my captain. Now we're seeing, you know, this new series. Yeah, I really want to see him again. I just don't want them to really fuck this up badly. Because if they do, then I'm not going to be happy with anything else. And it's it just like you don't mess with something that's iconic as that character. Which, unlike they did like in Discovery with Spock, which I was just kind of very blah about. I, I couldn't give two rats asses about how he looked or how he acted or... What he was motivated by, it didn't do anything for me. It didn't establish anything cool about what Spock was. It was just a guy in a suit who has that name. So I'm hoping that Picard does not have that problem, that it's an extension of the person that we know in a different way. That's all I care about. So, all right. So let's go to, before we go into deep dive about Star Trek, I'm going to pause the podcast, but I'm going to put the audio of what we talked about a couple of years ago in, in which I felt kind of redeemed over the past weekend just listening, uh, watching Discovery. So I'm going to pause real quick. Hold on. Black alert. Black alert. But I think that Monty gets hung up on the continuity of it because it all has to fit together for him. And that's what they said they were planning to do. And right I off mean, the continuity is important, but but I think that as long as it loosely feels right, right, I'm I'm more interested in getting people to see the thing that I've always loved. You know what I mean? Right. So I can share it with people. Yeah, I agree. And so, you, yeah. you talk to someone new. Have you watched Star Trek? Well, no, but I, I like science fiction. Okay, what kind of science fiction do you like? Because there were different openings. There were different, you know shows that you can you can introduce people to but the whole concept of exploring and getting out there about uh different conflicts where are you socially you know uh sociologically just learn more about the world okay here's two solutions to, to, for me and for all the other nerds like me there are only a handful of you that's more than enough that's enough to get me off <laughs> Is that this should have never taken place ten years before? It doesn't matter. No, 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 no. It does. I'm saying I'll let you go. It should have been after a Voyager. If we're doing this right, let's set it completely new. We have a clean slate, and let's just forget what has been done before. That's one option. 
Okay. And I'll tell you why. No people. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. We can come back to it. Hold on. We can come back to it. Monty's waving at the screen, David. Tony, sorry. I got the second option, and this is when just hearing you guys talk is that they redo the original series. No, they can't do that. Oh, no. Tell the timeline. No, 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 no. They have to redo it leading into that series. Now, granted, here's a problem. One, if ratings are not doing well, we're not going to get another season of Discovery. We may get that new new storyline of Khan, and this becomes an anthology. So then that rules it out altogether. But if they want to treat this like a full series, let that last episode, here's Kirk, here's the crew, and it's the Enterprise. But it's now this generation's Enterprise, yes, like they did in 2009, but you're going to have to then make it from that point on that universe. Not kind of retroconning it, but you are in a sense. You're redoing that whole universe, but for the small screen. That's how I can buy it from this point on. Black alert. Black alert. The thing that I felt vindicated was that now that series is now 950 years in the future, well, past Voyager, to do what? Who knows? This was a really weird season, though. Yeah. I mean, they, they, were, they had course corrections throughout the entire thing. No one, no even, even the, the, the main supporting cast, Ash, Stamets, Tilly, yeah. None of them had any really strong moments. You know, they were just, maybe initially they, they had one or two scenes. And they all had representation, but they were superficial. Right. There was absolutely no depth to any of them. And fine, you met the, the bridge crew, and that was fine. And they had names, and that was cool. And one of them got to go on an away mission, which was so amazing. Mm-hmm. And she didn't get killed. That was great. And uh, Lieutenant Arya, no. I think. Oh, Ariam, uh, Ariam. Ariam was the one that got killed. Right. She gets the, she gets the whole episode. That was that was fine, but the thing is, what was what was the purpose? Yeah. They, they course corrected in the middle of the season to go to the future, I right. believe, because it was like we're still not we're still not hitting our demographic. Change right. everything. Yeah, and, and there's I, so many producers, sixteen producers on a fucking show. I'm and like, I, I like when you told oh me about my that. God. I started counting right from the very opening credits, and I'm like, holy shit, that is just way too many producers, too many cooks in the in the kitchen, to do a series like this. And the thing, they're bringing Michelle Paradise, mm-hmm. and, and Alex Cartman is going to be, I guess, well, he's having her being the showrunner, but, oh my god, it's just a lot. And then two, the Enterprise, the very last thing we get to see, they spent money on an Enterprise bridge that was all up to date, and yet they had the nice color scheme of the orange railing and certain uh, highlights, and I'm like, that's what I want. That's not what you're going to get. No, not in, we're not going to get a Pike series, but I'm saying that's what Enterprise and that's what TOS is going to look like, and that's fine. Right. But and, you would and have, that continues on it in in the current timeline, right? And continues to have its adventures, and that's exactly what you needed to do is to do that, not us accept TOS as that's what it's going to look like from ten years. So you eliminated Discovery from being part of the canon. Nitpicker, don't call me a nitpicker, racist. <laughs> really? <laughs> no one's going to get that unless they listen to the previous episode. I know. And they're going to brand me. But that was my thing, is that um, it, it fixed that problem. It, it's no longer, which we'll talk about that in the ending, but it fixed the problem of the canon that it was running into, 
and the look of Enterprise is not the exact same TOS, but that's supposed to be the Prime universe, not the Kelvin timeline. So it fixed that problem that I had too. So those are the two things I felt like, okay, at least they did something that felt correct in my book. So, Tony, what were your thoughts? I don't know. I feel like the original concept of this show, when Brian Fuller pitched it, was he wanted every season to be like its own anthology series. And he wanted it to skip around different eras. So, in a way, this will fulfill some of what he had originally intended. Now, you know, the only difference is they're going to fulfill it with the same cast and crew. You know, like, I feel like I'm glad I saw Captain Pike and I like seeing the Enterprise and all that, but a little of it goes a long way and I feel like focusing too much on it detracted from our crew and distracted us from that. And, and it played a lot like, like fan service, you know, like, Oh, let's go back and, and see Vina and the Talosians again, you know, Mm -hmm. like really like that. We need to see those people again. I mean, it was cool to see them again, but I'm not sure that I feel better about their depictions on the show than I do about the way they were originally. And, and so, like, that kind of stuff felt a little hokey, you know? Um, now, the, seeing, mm-hmm. seeing Spock again felt hokey. Right. Now, you made a statement. And, or, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, remember what you were going to say, but what, what I was going to say is, like, really we're supposed to believe that the whole reason we've never heard of Burnham or the Discovery is because they suddenly came up with some way of making it top secret information. Like that's stupid, you know, like just like it was stupid that we had never heard of Cybok before Star Trek five, you know, like, but that's now canon. Yeah, I know. So what is canon? It's still (laughs) stupid. You know, like, let me ask you, Tony, were you surprised that, uh, discovery got renewed for a third season? Do you think Say that again? Are you surprised that Discovery got renewed for a third season? No. Discovery's going to get renewed for as many seasons as it takes for CBS All Access to establish itself because wow. that's their flagship show. Like, as soon as they cancel Discovery, they're going to lose all their subscribers. So they can't afford to do that. Even with their other programming involved, the Twilight Zone and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, it's going to take another few Star Trek shows to get up and going before they before they put Discovery in jeopardy. All right. So I don't think that that's the thing. Like, you know, and then and then what you were talking about, Monty, about how they didn't really focus on any other other characters. Like, this is the Michael Burnham show, like which I do not necessarily like. You know, because, number one, I don't think Sonequa Martin-Green is the best actress. And number two, like, they've made her character into a superhero, 
to the point where I'm like, you know, she's like Kirk, Spock, and Picard all wrapped in one. Like, she can do anything. And, and number three, I'll be so pissed if they continue to have Burnham cry in every single episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, every single episode, Burnham cries. Like, that's just, like, now you can make it into a drinking game. Like, I have. <laughs> I've done that, yeah. Like, it's every episode is, like, emotional catharsis for Burnham. I, I just, I'm over that, you know? Like, they, they need to start branching out a little from some of their cliches, you know? Right. Um, before we go into into the our, our picks and the highlights and lowlights of the series, I wanted to go back to a statement you mentioned earlier about if this is something that you would introduce people who have never seen Star Trek, would you still stand by Discovery for season two, or would you just show them season one or not show them at all and just show them something else to get them into Star Trek? I don't know. I I still would introduce them to season one, you know, and and let them see that. I mean, it's not a bad show. That's not a, when I when I criticize it. I'm talking from a place of love where I'm like, it's an okay show, and I just want it to be better. No, I understand. I think I disagree with you. I think it's a good move that they're jumping to the future because the whole problem with this show has been that it's been constrained by canon. No, no, I didn't and say that. And now this. they get to go to the future and they can just write their own show, but they've gotten us at least caring a little bit about these characters so they know that we'll go along for the ride, you know? No, no, I know. And I didn't say I didn't disagree with that. I'm saying that's what they needed to yeah. do. And Monty's happy about that. Because yeah. that's exactly what they did is just they made this job right. so that it's a clean slate. And I think that is what they needed to have done right from the very beginning. So that's fine. They, they want to go in that no, direction? I, I, then I agree with you. I'm not sure that they could have done it right from the beginning because I think they needed to hook people in and they were that would have been too big a leap. Hmm. But now I think it'll work. And now I'm interested in seeing how this ties into that short track episode Calypso because Calypso takes place not too far after where 50 years after right which I was going to ask because I I watched that episode after I finished the the, the, the finale they jumped 950 years but the ship says it's been out there for a thousand years and it's sentient now, mm-hmm. which is weird. So is it just 50 years after the crew is gone? Or is it another 1,000 years after it arrives, 950 years in the future, meaning it's now 2,000-something years later? Do you, mm-hmm. do you know if it's the 950, or is it... No, I don't know the answer. I, I mean, I would assume that whatever the dialogue said, I would assume that the actual intention was just to make it within 50 years. Okay. And, and, and the reason being because some of the other dialogue references the Federation still existing at that time, but in that time they're considered, um, bad or criminals or whatever. Okay. 
and and so I I think that would make more sense. You know? Okay, only because you know if the crew is gone, not gone like dead, but like they abandoned the ship, and they mm-hmm. told the ship, okay, don't leave. Whatever you do, don't leave. Stay here. Stay we'll be here. back. We'll be right back. I felt kind of bad because I'm like, you know, this thing is now self-aware and encountered this guy who obviously there was some kind of romantic feelings for, you know, in a weird way. But my question is, as the season was ending, Leland is trapped in a spore drive room and... uh Dead. And he's dead before they even make the leap. So the question is, then... They don't leap, they go through a wormhole. Why? They didn't need to. You can't can't use the spore drive anymore because of the lawsuit. Right. So that's, that's to me, aside from the fact that no one will ever talk about this, is why did he even have to do this if they defeated the very thing they prevented from getting the information? So it just seems kind of... Huh? It doesn't make sense. Do you want them yeah. in the future or not? <laughs> you can't have a both ways. And look, it was really cool when they went through the wormhole. Yeah, it's like I a know. book cover. I'm like, I that's know. awesome. <laughs> I don't buy all you have all these ships. I don't buy that the Enterprise gets into the torpedo and they get fucking repair drones that pop up. I'm like, yeah. I I can't I can't swallow that. That's that's just I no. Okay, but all right, I'll just keep drinking. <laughs> you know, like watching this show is different from watching all the other shows in one respect. And that's that. I think that this show as a, as a movie, let's say like cinema, the cinematography on the show is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, and in a way, you know, if you look at the history of movies, movies are more of a visual medium than a plot driven medium. It's TV that's plot driven. And, in a way, this move, this show is more like a movie. Like, you can turn the sound off and watch it, and you will know what's going on, even if you don't know the details, you know? And, and I like that about this show. Like, this show looks beautiful. The whole battle sequence in the last episode and, and the way that she got propelled yeah. into all the different times and the future and all that was gorgeous. And, the kind of stuff I, I've loved, I've been wanting to see more of in sci-fi, you know? So, I forgive the show a lot when it comes to the details and all the nitpicky stuff, because I'm like, who cares? The show looks fantastic, you know? Like, yeah, but the problem lies, Tony, is that it has a lot of style. There's no doubt about that. It just lacks substance. It lacks the emotional connection to should I give a crap about Burnham or Saru or to the chick with the the fork on the side of her face you know you don't care enough for us to be feeling like oh my god they're going to be in danger or like they shouldn't be doing this or like I I feel empathy or I feel joy for them I mean there are times it's just like I don't feel any kind of connection the very thing that I love about Saru, you know, which they kind of hinted at that now he lost his Gangula, uh, that he's no longer controlled by fear. And I'm like, 
oh, so now he's going to be more of a badass and they kind of have like now he can shoot out darts or whatever that thing is. But then they stop halfway through the season and then that's it. There was nothing more about Saru. And that was just like, but it's never going to be perfect. Monty. No, 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 no. I know that. And, but and I'm just saying it's like you gave him a moment, but then it didn't have another payoff to kind of like now it kind of fits in. The, the thing is, I, I think that what you have, you need an emotional attachment to these characters. Right. And in my opinion, you have to earn that. But once you've earned that with me, right. you can't lose that. Right. So for me, season one hooked me. I love this character. I love these, this show. You know, I have no problem with that. Sure, this season was a little weird, a little weak for me, but I'm still watching it. You know, I don't watch it with the enthusiasm that I used to. I imagine, though, that when you come home and you turn it on, you sit back in your couch with your arms folded, waiting to be disappointed. Is that possibility? Yes. See, I don't, I don't sit there like that. I'm leaning forward. No, no. I'm, you, I'm, but, I'm, but then you call me afterwards. So you like this happen? But the thing is, again, that's the, that's the knee jerk reaction, right? Because I go back and watch it, and I'm like, all right, all right. Now I've got know, 16 ounces of alcohol in me. <laughs> but you know, like, let's listen to what Gene's saying, though. Like, I mean, continuity has always been a problem on Star Trek. Okay, it always will be in this show. Like, I, you know, like you guys were less focused on the original series than me, but. Like, I've watched the original series a bunch of times, and there's huge, glaring continuity issues. Like, you know, for a while, James was not James T. Kirk, he was James R. Kirk. No, I know. That, that, and, wow. and then, you know, it wasn't the United yeah, the Grace, Federation of Grace Planets, Stone. it was the United Earth Space Agency. You know, like, no, no, that there's me, all I know. That's, kinds of crap, you know? No, no, like, I get so, that. But I'm thinking at this point is that if you're building this cinematic kind of series, and I think because you have 13, was it, sorry, 16 producers, that this is what's going to be happening even more so. So you have all these different inputs, but yet nothing feels cohesive. I still don't understand the concept, and this is just me just trying to analyze the whole point of Burnham being the adoptive ward of Sarek. You know, he explains that he wanted to adopt her to bring some kind of empathy, empathy right. to Spock. And Amanda couldn't do that because she's human. And I'm like, I don't un completely understand that motivation. Let alone, why couldn't Burnham just go to back on Earth to family and... Like, she's not a war, war child or a war bride, whatever you want to call it, um, to be in that situation. So I never felt like that explained that relationship until they were more adults. And then you saw the bickering back and forth. I'm like, I kind of get that relationship. But it didn't feel like it made a complete sense. No, but you're right. It's contrived. I mean, it's totally contrived. The only reason to do that is to just be able to bring Sarek and Spock and Amanda on the show. That's it. But that those are the things where I'm like, okay, when something feels contrived like that, then I'm just kind of gonna not pay attention to it too much, you know? Like Yeah, but you don't want to you you feel you want to be invested, right? But you can still be invested. Just just mm -hmm. leave it. I mean, it's a family. You know, you you listen to the origins of my family or your family. Like 
How did these people come together? How is it possible that Gene exists when Gene's parents don't kiss or, or have contact, but Gene is still here? Where did Gene get his personality when Gene's parents are stoic and quiet? You know, my parents never hugged each other, then, but I'm still here. You know, it, but it, I'm more invested in you than I am in Burnham because you're interesting. I'm a person. These are characters, right. but it doesn't. Right. Made fi- I mean, look, the re-entry, the entry into that was terrible. You know, I, I admit, but you just got to go with it. I know. But then you, 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 you expect us to have this grand finale, which is like it's, it's Star Wars up the wazoo. And in the moment, no, let's have a conversation while this is going on. Yeah, that didn't make sense. I'm like, can you not have done this? You have a timer. Right. <laughs> and the episode before. And the reason that you're not, the reason you're not invested in Burnham is not because of the continuity issues. The reason you're not invested in her is because she's a sucky actress. No, I like, disagree. I, I like her performances. No, I, I, I don't do. think she's fully like developed. Tilly, as a, but... You know, Tilly is a good actress. And that's why she's everybody's fan favorite. I, I I would say that, yes. But even Tilly and was getting guy, on my the nerves. Guy that played, the guy that played Pike made Pike his own character, which I thought was pretty difficult to do after Jeffrey Hunter. You know, like, Yeah, I agree. But he did an amazing job. I, I like the style from moment one, the choices he makes. Right. And, and I believe that. Tilly was, to me, that perfect counter to Burnham. And I love that. But season two, it was just like too much chilliness. And then not enough. (laughs) So it was just like too much. Like you tapped into the very thing that I liked. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. You needed to dial back and give other people a chance to shine. Uh, Like Ehrman, who had that one episode and he held that whole backstory. I'm like, you know, it it just felt, again, very uneven to give us a a, a good send off, you know. So, yeah, they should have started that much earlier. Yeah. So that was my only thing. It's like, and like, like I said, every series iteration, we get to know these people. Whether we know, like uh, Yoshi, who on, on Enterprise is their communication officer, and you know, or you know, Odo from DS Nine, we get to know these people somewhat. I still don't know half the people on this damn crew, other than Burnham. Yeah, well, but I mean. If you go back to the original, we didn't get to know any of those people too well. It was just Kirk, Spock, McCoy. That was all. And yeah, maybe but, you know, Cotton, Hora was there, yeah, Scotty like, was there, and Sulu and Chekhov. So, I mean, we eventually... But you got, never got to know them. I mean, you never got to know Sulu any better than you get I, to at least know, I know his, at least, ship. At least I know his name. You, 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 can, you can memorize the names of the people. I mean, Detmer is the one who is the, the tough, fork, right? The the, fork, yeah, right. You know. and, and they've got strange names. I, yeah. So, I, and so, putting that aside, um, the one cool thing—I mean, aside from Pike, which I love—I um, liked the new security chief that was coming over from the Enterprise. Um, Naru, non, is it Naru or, Nan, or Nan? Nan, maybe it's Nan. You're right, it's Nan. Um, who I dug a lot, and I, I thought she was a kind of a cool character. Um, so there's a kind of lot of Chita bars in, you know, that, right? Yeah, exactly. So that, you, you remember they, they came out in Next Generation, right? Yes. Uh, so that's kind and of and that fucks up on her later on. Right. I can't breathe. <laughs> God damn it, Velma, get contact lenses. Which I think is cool because it shows that they're at least watching these other shows, you know. So that's the kind of shit I'm like, 
See? You can do stuff like that, and you can be cool. So those are the little moments that I was at least felt like, okay, season two is not that bad compared to season one. And there was vast improvements. You uh, Tignataro, which you love. Oh, my God. I thank you for my <laughs> Jet Reno is by far, like, move Stamets out of the way. Let Jet be that person. She is like the McCoy and, and Scotty rolled into one. I fucking love Jet Reno so much. That's the kind of biting well, humor that I love. She made the jump into the future. I know. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get more of her. <laughs> so it, it's that kind of genuine genuine um, character. And she doesn't have to have a lot to say, but when she says it, it's touching. The moment that she had with Culber and how they had similar wives <laughs> and how... Yeah, you should go back to Stamets and make Hubbard, you know, realize his mistake. That one moment made me a fan of hers just because she is so damn relatable. I still feel cold against Stamets, against Culber. I mean, it's it's Jet Reno, it's Tilly, and Burnham, if I'm going to add her to the list, in that order, you know. So, I want a lot more stronger women characters. I was kind of disappointed that number one... <laughs> didn't you get three episodes. <laughs> ...didn't get enough. Because yeah. I was just like, so damn happy that we're going to see something more about this character. Other than she eats a cheeseburger uh, right, with Tabasco sauce, sauce yeah. with the hot sauce. No, look at that. <laughs> so what? So, but, you know, it, it, it's... That's the kind of fan service I'm okay with. You don't have to beat me over the head. But I would love to have seen more of number one, so to speak. Uh, were there anything that you liked that caught you by surprise, uh, Tony? Um, I guess I think what most caught me by surprise was how much I liked um, Anson Mount as Pike. Yeah. Like, I knew he had the look, but he really brought like this personality to Pike that for me felt like something we've been missing in Star Trek for a long time, which is just like this cool, decent captain, you know, like mm-hmm. that was more in the vein of Kirk and Picard and not in the vein of like Archer and Janeway, you know, which well, those I, I people always seem to be like Archer and Janeway always seem to be thinking, um, not thinking before getting into situations, you know. Well, I would. And blame... I thought this guy was thoughtful and and still a man of action. And I, I would blame Archer being more getting into uh, ahead of himself, whereas Janeway, I think she's in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean that's the kind of thing that I'm like, no, I'm, I'm she's kind of my hero in that, in that sense. Even the, the Year from Hell episode um, proved, you know, that she's willing to go down, you know, and fight dirty and, and get things done just to save her crew. Um, I don't think necessarily Picard will do that, but push cut to shove, they would all do that, but I will necessarily put Janeway and Archer in the same boat, though. That's just my son. But two not, they're not similar, but I'm just saying that they were not um, 
as relaxed, as, as hopeful. They were not as diplomatic as Kirk and Picard were, you know? Okay. No, Kirk would fuck everything. <laughs> Diplomatically wise. So, gee. No, but I mean, but, but you know, he, he, he was still, he still knew how to practice diplomacy. He was trickier about it, you know, but he, he still knew, you know, it was more aggressive, yeah, but it was still diplomacy. Okay. Uh, so, Gene, what were your highlights? Um, I, not too many. I, I like the show overall. Still, it, It's still a great-looking show. It still tweaks my imagination. I, I liked that they did the Short Trek tributes, that every just about every Short Trek, except the Harry Mudd one, they went back to. Uh, I liked the way that it, this was a whole more rounded season overall. The people in the church would go back to that. This is how that happened. I, I was kind of weirded out, like at the whole, like, oh, it's my mom in the time, you know, jumpsuit. And I'm going to go back for 950 years to find her, maybe. I'm like, all right, that's kind of weird, but okay, I'll, I'll go with it, you know, because again, I, I like this crew. It's fine. You're now 950 years in the future. I, I have no idea where the heck you're going to go. That's fine. I like that. I, I like to ask a question, though, guys, generally speaking. Do we know of any successful prequels? That's out there because it's really hard to make a successful prequel. I mean, what do you mean in what sense? Like Star Wars? Star Wars? Any any prequel? Any, has anything been successful? And then you went back and it's still successful. You know, because it's really hard to do prequels because of the continuity thing. Anyone know about any successful ones? I'm just curious. Top of your head? Not top of my head, but if you give me a chance, I'll think of one. Because it's hard to do. I mean, the only thing I can think of like Knights of the Old Republic with a video game, which is like 400 years in the future from Star Wars. That worked, but the prequels didn't work. Well, no, no. I, I would disagree with the prequels because as they got past Jar Jar and young Anakin and they hook on to the, to the, the Clone new Wars hope. and the New Hope. And it, Yo, I, I, I thought it got better over the, over the years with the sequels. Not necessarily the first one being fantastic, but yeah, it, it it had to set up so much more that it the other two didn't have to rely. I on. understand, but I'm like, all right, I know the prequels are, are okay. I don't like them that much. They're okay, but then then Rogue One because I'm like, yeah, Rogue One works, but not the you know just. Um, you can argue the 2009 Star Trek is a prequel because it's yes, starts... could, you could yes, okay, that... yeah. Oh, I'm just curious. I'm sorry to throw us off. No, no, no. Uh, but I don't know this. It was all right. I, I just... mean, here. The inherent problem with prequels is, you know, if you think of it as a writer, mm -hmm. it locks you in because it's like with most writing, you start the story and the story kind of takes you to where it should end. And here it's the reverse because you got to end, you, you, you have an ending that you need to get to and you write the story to, to get you to that ending. Right. And that limits you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So so I think that that is the problem with prequels. It's a risk. Um, that being said, I mean, it's not thought of as a prequel, but it is a prequel. I love Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> That's a good That's one. My prequel. Um, yeah, short round can't stretch that far, but I'll, I'll, I'll just give it to you. Yeah. But it's not much of a prequel. It only takes place a couple years before. You know, like. Well, I would go um, 
and just a, a, a quick moment in in the uh, the Last Crusade, the origin of him getting the whip, mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. the cut on his on his chin, and being afraid of snakes. So in that one like 10, 15 minute sequence with River Phoenix establishing who he is is perfect. So, um, but unfortunately, I'm gonna have to start to wrap up this podcast because I have to go pick up my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh no reality is here run but um uh are we looking forward to a season three like in all honesty are we that excited for season three or like well, we'll see what happens i'll leave it for you Tony. yeah i'm excited i'm excited i, I want to know what they have planned you know like it's always exciting when they do something unexpected with the narrative you know like to, to me it was like it's almost like when they did the big time jump in Battlestar Galactica like that yeah to me kicked the show into a different level and I'm hoping that this will do that for this show you know okay what about you too? Uh, Gene. <laughs> that's getting late <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it again I, I have no idea where they're going I, I feel really bad for the writers though the, the people that put that all together because all the producers like, we're doing this we had a meeting we're going this way I'm like okay, okay wait how am I going to do that who are these characters we, okay, okay but uh, hopefully they have a hiatus hopefully they can they can fix things get their shit together and um, I hope it'll be great but again they're in the right timeline now they're away from everyone else have fun with it and uh, keep things interesting that's all yeah uh, my- hopefully it won't mm-hmm. be hopefully it won't be Star Trek Borg like hopefully the Borg will not have assimilated the entire. Oh, we together. we completely left that out altogether. Oh, I talked about control. I hate that. Yeah, that the, the fact that people are trying to make control the new Borg or the Borg is going to be a predecessor and like stop yeah. trying to make this happen. It's not. Um, that was the yeah. one thing I could have done without. And but whatever the case is, it's done and and completed. But my thing that I'm thinking about how it's going to be for the next season. And I'm sure you guys have not seen this, but drama that I had to do with uh, this ship that was kind of like its flagship, like on in Starfleet, like the Enterprise, gets sucked into a wormhole into the future in which that Starfleet, that Federation has collapsed. So you have this lone person that still carries on that tradition of what it means to be in Starfleet or those lofty goals in a new future. So I'm wondering if that's what's going to be happening with Discovery. It's like, well, they're going to try to police the galaxy, so to speak. But honestly, you know, other than putting the ship in the future, I don't think they realize, well, what are you going to do when you get there? Just sit there? You're going to have to do something. That's for the producer to decide. Right, exactly. The powers that be will decide that. And we will judge it when it comes back on. I'm more concerned about who's going to be captain Right, which that could be a power play, but I'm like, please let it be surreal. I hope surreal, yeah. I don't think so. But uh, on that note, unfortunately, I'm going to have to end things with the podcast. And uh, we'll pick it up when there's another discussion about Picard, or at least we'll, that first episode drops. All right, cool. So thank you again, Tony, for joining me, and you too, Mr. Gene. My pleasure. And uh, remember, you can always follow me on the various social networks. You can always email me on behalf of these two. If you want to add your comments to the podcast, I'll be happy to add that as well. But that's by 
send me an email at monstersci-fi-show at gmail.com. So again, thank you for listening to us on the Monster Sci-Fi Show podcast. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Good night. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.